0: Welcome to the State of Fem Art Podcast, a space where we drive conversations around what it means to be woman creatively and artistically in today's industry. A place where women from various walks of life share their experiences, triumphs, and obstacles as they navigate the state of the world and their creativity. This is a safe space, one where women are celebrated for being fearlessly and unapologetically them. It is a space of belonging for those who feel their artistic and creative endeavors have gone unseen, unheard, or unsupported. But here you will also get resources and tools to help you reach your next level. We'll laugh together, cry together, but more importantly, we'll grow together. I am Tamia Faulkner, and this is The State of Femme Art. What's up? What's up guys? We made it to season 2. I am so excited about this season. I'm going to be talking to so many incredible women in the arts, entertainment, tech industries, those who have influence on culture and I I think that's the most exciting part about this podcast is getting to have those conversations in real time you all getting to be in the midst of those conversations and hear the stories from such incredible women. So today we have a treat. For those of you who are just tuning in to the podcast for the first time, I am Tamiya Faulkner. I am the creator and founder of the State of Film Art, which was birthed out of She Rocks event, an event celebrating women in visual and performing arts and women in male-dominated industries. So this year, we had She Rocks event and for the ninth year. And we were able to give away another micro Grant to an amazing woman artist. You'll get to hear from her today, none other than Roxanna Abara Stevens from Arizona. I'm so excited for you all to hear her story. But also, I'm going to share some of my favorite moments from the interviews that I did with some of these incredible women artists. We have uh, women who are filmmakers and women who are um, visual artists as well as performing artists. So you definitely want to stay locked right here on the State of Film Art podcast. And if you are not following at She Rocks event, you want to make sure that you do that because this is an event that will be moving under the state of FemArt as a whole. So we're getting ready, you guys, to do a bunch of events. We're giving away some grants. So again, if you aren't following the state of femme art or She Rocks event, you can follow either or by um, searching the handle at SoFemArt as well as at She Rocks event. So Without further ado, we're going to get into it. You guys, make sure that you're you're telling me how you feel about the podcast. Um, this podcast gets visibility by your rating, by you sharing it, um, by you letting us know how you feel about the different interviews. And again, it could not be made possible without your support. So again, send some love our way. We greatly appreciate it. All right, so today we're talking with Aston Rocks. Period. Um, who is a filmmaker and writer? We'll be talking to Denise uh, Kumalo, who is also a filmmaker and director. Roxana Ibarra Stevens, who is our She Rocks twenty twenty two micro grant recipient for She Rocks event. Uh, Michaela Baldwin, who is an amazing visual artist. She's an emerging artist who is really i mean you have to see her stuff it's it's pretty incredible as well as christine noel and when i say this woman has pipes on her like she can literally sing down you you just have to hear it for yourself you may or may not hear something from her uh so Sit back, relax, enjoy these conversations. Again, make sure you're locked into the conversation by using the hashtag SOFEMArt. That's S O F E M ART A R T. And um, let's get into it. Hello, Roxy. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. I'm so happy we're finally able to chat and for our audience, viewers, and listeners to get the opportunity to know more about you and your art. So first, tell me, how did you find out about She Rock's
1: event? So through, um, I was invited to an organization called Brown Girls Doc Mafia. And um, a friend of mine, um, she you know, brought me on and really showed me how to navigate the organization and when I saw um, a friend of mine post about it and She Rocks is a wonderful showcase, like, go check it out. I felt really inclined to look up what, what they're about. And it was really surprising to see all the amazing work that they do. So um, I was noticing that there's like, oh, submit here. If you're an artist and I was, you know, I'm going to do that. Hopefully I'm included in this you know, amazing group of women. And uh, luckily I was, so it was great.
0: Yeah, So congratulations to you for being a part of our top five. I want to speak a little bit about your submission. Tell us about your short film and the inspiration behind it. Um, And just what inspired you to create this piece?
1: So Tesoro was uh, my debut short film in the uh, film industry. Ultimately, I was not sure what story I was going to tell. It was um, a big part of trying to break through into the filmmaking industry. And um, when I was, you know, racking my brain, like, what story do I tell? Like, does anyone even want to listen to my story? Um, I decided to tell, like, the story I knew best, which was, like, an intergenerational story about my family and little pieces and snippets of what I've, you know, listened to growing up and some stuff that I've experienced. Um, And when creating Tesoro, it ended up being a community event to essentially, like, put together a film that's, like, relevant to the time and space we live in and, like, our families have lived through. And given, you know, the gentrification of South Tucson and the, you know, immense amount of, um, like emotional ties that these locations have, um, you know, I was able to bring a strong group of Latinos and people of color together. Like, I think there was maybe two people of non-color on the entire set. And it was like, we need to have all these people who otherwise wouldn't have, um, you know, exposure in the industry together and, you know, ultimately, you know, being one of the only women in the class that I was for film, it's not like I was, you know, watching them and being like, oh, they'll relate to my experience. So when we created this project, it was each and every one of the cast and crew's opinions going into the production all the time. And it was really, just really great you know, we had um, tacos on set, (laughs) we had a bunch of chihuahuas on set, like, I don't know, it just ended up being, like, this really fun experience, and, like, it started to rain, and we were shooting in a barrio, and there was a lot of, like, angry snowbirds, um, because we were ruining their sightseeing (laughs) uh, with the filming, so it ended up being, like, just this wild adventure, um, and I think that was ultimately, like, what made me realize I can do this like I love telling stories and tesoro was the story of like basically everyone in my family like the tata with the car like that's literally every man in my family has like this dream car that they refuse to sell it doesn't work but they don't sell it and then like the miscarriages that like no one talks about like they're secret and they end up being forgotten and then it's a memory that like is so traumatizing and so emotional that it's, for whatever reason, really taboo. Um, so I wanted to make sure that was in there. And so when it comes to like money, evictions, barrio restoration, it's so important to you know just really mention all of those things. And that's ultimately what this film was trying to do. It's just like Easter eggs of experiences that um, everybody in the cast and crew had.
0: Mm. I love how you said that Easter eggs of experiences because there were certain things I know when we were viewing and and screening all of the submissions there were certain things and just the short piece that we saw that completely caught caught us off guard like we didn't expect it at all so it was just like wow this is incredible and I also love that community component right how you're bringing to the forefront a chance for um, so many people within your community to really tell their stories and to be a part of the creative process. And I heard you mention just being one of the few women who are in your class. And so can you tell me a little bit about your experience just coming out of film school? Congratulations. And just as a recent graduate and working on this project, what has it been like being a woman, especially Latina woman who is in this space and really, honestly, in a male-dominated industry still, even though we see so many women directors and producers and um, screenwriters who are coming up, how has it been for you just navigating the space?
1: It's been really confusing, um, especially because there's not like a direct road into the filmmaking industry it's not like you know a job where you're like I'm gonna apply to be a director for the next uh, Amazon film you know it's very cl- clean and close together it's very exclusive so it's almost like oh I know this guy or my cousin or my son and they went to film school I'm gonna put them as the next producer of my big studio film like it's very much about location and who you know and usually the people that know each other are very well off financially. Um, So, you know, being from Tucson, Arizona, being the eldest daughter of immigrants, like, it's very, um, I'm very disconnected from that reality. So it's been really difficult, like, creating this film has given me so much opportunity, Um, you know, like, being included in this showcase and being involved in film festivals. I think recently I was accepted into the 13th film festival so far in the circuit, which is amazing and incredible and um luckily this last one is going to be in my hometown so you know all the people that worked on the casting crew can attend and watch it on the big screen finally and um it's it's a really great experience to feel like we made art but the next big step is going to be how do we make a feature like how do we move on from this short film and make it into a larger piece and um that transition is just so difficult because ultimately it comes down to funding your own film. Like there's no big studio that's going to be um, taking the reins on, oh, we'll pay this guy 100000 for this composition, you know, like it's some easy thing to do. Um, and this last film, this short film, I think the budget was about 1500 which for me was hefty. That for me was like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. And that was crowdfunded um and you know there were other people in my class who had like a budget of like 10,000 so it's it's that issue of class and um social status um as well as class because um there's no established sort of like generational family wealth so i have to create that myself and tr- really try to find every and any opportunity I never say no to any film job I've been offered. Um, Anything from, you know, cleaning a kitchen in a news studio to putting makeup on other people to um, showing up at three in the morning to do a live newscast. (laughs) Like, I will say yes as long as it gives me another film credit. Um, So as we transition, like, I just got a new job for um, Edutopia, which is just amazing because i get to edit and learn from all these uh, established filmmakers Um, but it is ultimately like the next step to the industry
0: yeah yeah and i i think what's so amazing about you and your story is that just throughout this entire process number one of course having to crowdfund for your project but also you personally have dealt with so many um, various things you've had to overcome while creating. And I think people don't talk about that enough. Like, so for me, I'm a breast cancer survivor, but also people aren't realizing that as you're creating, you're also dealing with normal life. And sometimes as, you know, woman, we sort of tough it up and we keep going. But what has it been like just juggling creatively, but also with those personal things that you've had to overcome um, from day to day in your life while you're creating these things that you very much believe in and telling the stories that you want to tell? Well,
1: um, first and foremost, I'm very, very happy that you've overcome um, breast cancer. That is something my my aunt went through when she was living with us and it was so traumatic for everyone and you know congratulations on feeling better um uh and as far as health goes when creating art and like the everyday responsibilities of being a woman like it is almost overlooked um having no you know reproductive issues um I have endometriosis so it's a very painful (laughs) and it's um you know in combination with me being an asthmatic and having anaphylactic attacks like ridiculously (laughs) um and not knowing why I'm being triggered in that way and I have an osteoma which I found out was benign which this, this is a wonderful news um I have chronic appendicitis um and it's all of these ridiculous little health issues that just like add up so when you're creating, like, it's almost like you have to put that into your work too as a therapy um, because it's almost impossible. Like, I hate when people say separate the art from the artist. Like, it's so impossible to do that because so much of the artist is in their work. And um, in that next project that I'm trying to start um, writing and developing within the next year um, has so much to do with the trauma I inflicted on my family, um, being so sickly. I had pneumonia three times growing up, which really was a financial, like, punch in my family. Um, bronchitis, like, all the time. I had, like, five times, which is ridiculous. Um, so with all of these health issues, my sis- my younger sisters took, like, an authority role and now being an adult and living with them it's very weird like the dynamic we have is very much like they assume responsibility for me like they make sure I eat or they make sure I'm drinking enough water and it's it's a little sad because I realize like I did that to them I made that responsibility theirs um and I'm the eldest so it it's definitely something that you know goes unsaid or unspoken of a lot of the time is um health issues really do cause trauma and they really do cause you to look inside yourself and value life over, you know, um, anything else really.
2: Hi, Denise. I'm so excited. I'm so hyped. Like I've been waiting for this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. We're hyped. I'm hyped too. I'm just as hyped. So can you tell us a little bit about, Number one, first of all, your backstory, like what, what was your path into um, filmmaking, into directing? How did you arrive at this place where you're now creating and, and working on documentaries and um, different types of films that you're interested in?
2: Well, I was born and raised in Zimbabwe, so I only left when I was 19 years old. So I am from Zimbabwe. So I left, Wow. yeah, I I was born and raised 19, so now I've spent at least 12 years in the States. And I moved to America because when I was a little kid, my parents always said that I had the most interesting stories. They were dramatic, but they were like, these are great stories. Like, okay, little girl, like, this is good. This is good. So they always knew I had that creative eye for creating stories. And so when I got to be older, I knew I wanted to do something in the entertainment industry. And so I said, okay, what's the best place to do it? America There's New York, there's Los Angeles. It's everything in one. So that's why I moved to the States. And I was actually in upstate New York for four years. And then I moved to Los Angeles in 2012. So then that's how I got into it. And my undergrad is where I really got to play with everything, writing, directing, producing. And so by the time I got my master's, it was an MFA in filmmaking. It was specifically in directing. I did scripted and unscripted. But there was something about Unscripted that just spoke to me. Because I think it's the African in me, we just love telling stories. So I was like, okay, if I can have a camera and have people just tell their stories, there's something beautiful about that. So that's why I'm mostly in the Unscripted world.
0: I think, first of all, that's an amazing story. Because most of the time you hear people say, well you know, it would be my parents are from Zimbabwe, but I was born here in the States. And so I think it's beautiful because you're able to bring those experiences from both places, and, you know, really put them into your work. So I want to hear a little bit about your approach to directing and filmmaking. What do you feel your approach has been? And then let's talk about your, your piece, your documentary piece that you submitted. That's um, uh, unconventional. Like it's, tell me about that, uh, the start of that, what brought you to a place where you decided, Hey, I want to do this documentary. I want to um, document other people's journeys into their perspective industry.
2: Well, how I got into making my documentary unconventional is because I am one of the unconventional people. I don't have a nine to five I don't have a stable job. And so I wanted to document what myself and my friends were going through because the struggle is real, but the struggle is beautiful. And so I make documentaries because I want people to feel good about themselves. I want them to feel happy about themselves. I just want them to just take something from the documentary and they don't have to be sad because some documentaries like, you have to stop eating this, you have to stop doing that. And I was like, no, I just want them to know this is a struggle, this is what's going on. And it was primarily um, immigrants and people of color. So that they could see what it's like in L.A. Because everyone thinks it's so glamorous. And it is, but there's another side that's not glamorous. It's not. And that's why I interviewed people who are in different stages of their career. Those who have just started, those who are intermediate, and those who have made it. So that those different levels can give other people advice. Because some people ask me, what, what's the secret? And I'm like, there's no blueprint when it comes to L.A. There is no blueprint. You can come from money, you can come from nothing and still make it. And so that's why I wanted to have the opportunity to make this documentary and show people across the world that it doesn't matter who you are and where you come from, that you can achieve greatness as long as you honestly believe in yourself. Working hard is important, of course, but you have to also have the opportunities. And that's why I left Zimbabwe, because at the time, we only had one TV station. So how am I supposed to grow when there isn't anywhere else to grow? And you had also asked um, how I how I do my films, how I direct. I actually studied uh, my film school, really focused a lot on cinema very tight, which just means true cinema. And I like shooting with very minimal crew. I want it to be small. I want it to be intimate so that the interviewee feels comfortable and then just talk to them as conversational. So I'm, I am scripted to a certain degree, but the best is when answers start coming up from, from nowhere. And it just adds to the story and it makes it so beautiful. And that's the tricky part with documentaries. You have your idea of where it's going, but the next thing you ask something different and it changes the whole trajectory of the film. And sometimes you have to adapt to that. But I like that. I like the fun in that.
0: I think that's the best part is, you know, having it where it's it's not tightly scripted because you're able to get those organic a- Number one, interactions, but also answers to to questions or things that are being explored, which is why I like these types of setups as well, because we want to get to know who you are as an artist for real, you know, and I think most people forget that, you know, filmmakers, directors, screenwriters, they are also artists and uh, people really when they think of performing arts they automatically just go to like dance or music but there's photography there's design there's filmmaking and we want to be sure to cover the range of those things because artists like you are out here creating amazing um pieces that need to be seen but also that are telling stories that need to be told so that other people who are on the grind and on the come up know like It's possible, and here are some of the stories that are you know told through this documentary where you have people who are also creative who are sharing their journeys and their various experiences. So I think that's that's super dope. Thank you, and that's
2: literally why I do it. I just Wanted people to see what it was. That's all. I just wanted to be authentic, LA, to show like the real LA. <laughs> so.
0: So speaking of LA, because you know being here, you're able to see both sides—the glamorous as well as the unglamorous. a lot of people, you know, they look at what they see on TV and in the movies, yeah. and you know what they see on reality shows about being in L.A. and living in L.A. and we you and I know it's not all as glamorous as it seems. So what was what was your journey like just coming here and trying to find community and um, trying to find spaces that actually allow you to do what you wanted to do creatively, but also People to really like lend a hand because we know this could be a very cutthroat industry. Um, It's not always the most welcoming. So what was your journey like just coming to L.A. but also navigating the industry?
2: Honestly, coming to L.A. was it was a beautiful experience because what I've taught myself is that just move in faith. So I was excited. I came here and I was like, okay, it's LA, it's a big city because in Zimbabwe, I lived in a big city and I went to upstate New York, which was a small city. And so I needed another big city. So I was excited to have all the things that I had been missing from my undergrad. And I was excited about that, but luckily I did my master's. So that gave me two years in school. So it gave me a chance to kind of navigate LA a little bit. And once I graduated, I I was still friends with my classmates. So we still stayed in touch. We made... You know, films together, but then when that, you know, fizzles and dies, now it's the real time where you're actually going out looking for jobs by yourself in the real world. That's when it got tough. I was like, oh, okay. I thought I knew what I was doing. I I don't know because I'm also an immigrant. So I'm on work permits and stuff. So certain companies didn't want to hire me because uh, they didn't want to have to apply for my sponsorship visa. So then that was really tough those opportunities weren't really as many and then the other option for a visa is if a company hires you and companies just didn't want to do that so i was just like stuck in this thing of what am i going to do how do i get a job how do i get like another work permit so then honestly that was a struggle immigration no one talks about that is how international students or anyone who travels from another country have to deal with the visa issue on top of finding a job so then that was a big struggle and I would say I saw things finally twisting and turning, honestly, after the pandemic. After the pandemic is when I said to myself, I want to live my life to the fullest and do everything to my full potential. And after that, I was just set my mind on it. And I met a group of people who connected me to their tribes. And that's when I finally felt that I found my tribe. And once I found them, they started linking me to people and to groups who are truly supportive because LA, like you said, is cutthroat. There's some people that are just not genuine. So I made sure my core is only honestly three to four people, my core, my tight group, three to four people. And they introduced me to their groups. And then that's when they talk about opportunities. Now I'll get calls. I'll get emails. I get referrals for jobs. And so now I'm actually booked in busy. I'm like, yes, I like that. But, um, It took a while to get there, find your people that you actually trust because some people are jealous. And that's the thing. They're your friends because they want to take your place. They want to take your position or they want to be friends with you because of where you are, where they see you're going. So that was very tricky because I'm a nice person. So it was hard to really figure out who was genuine, who was for you and who wasn't for you. So I'm not going to lie. It took a while, but it was worth it.
0: So let's talk about vulture culture (laughs) because... That's culture. That's a good it is a thing. Yeah. It's, you know, some people will um approach you or befriend you or, uh, you know, put a hand out to say, hey, if you rub my back, I'll rub yours. And so, what has, or what, um I, I would say, what has been in your arsenal, right? In your toolbox of just navigating life and navigating the industry that you're always, what are the things that you're always certain to remember as you encounter people? Just being a nice person and making sure that you're still keeping your level of integrity, but also making sure that, hey, I have boundaries and I have, you know, standards and these are just, non-negotiables for me or just lines that you know don't cross these lines and we're good okay
2: well i got a therapist i'm not gonna lie that was the best thing that i ever did i got a therapist and i started setting boundaries once i started setting boundaries i made sure that i took time for myself self-care and i had to learn how to be selfish so i made sure i allocated time just for myself and a real friend will reciprocate what i'm giving them so if i'm giving a 100 i'm getting back a 100. So I'll invite my friends to screenings. They invite me to their screenings. So it's 50-50. But once I start feeling you're only coming to my stuff and, you know, it's not vice versa, you can feel when it's, you know, it's fake. You can start feeling it like, oh, I only want to go to Beverly Hills. I only want to go to West Hollywood. I don't want to come to the Valley because I live in the Valley. But that's where I live. So if you have a problem with the Valley, then this is not going to work. So you can you can start weeding out people from, from certain things and then, Yeah, it just takes time. It just takes time, but setting the boundaries and just really getting to know them. And honestly, who was there for you from the very beginning? That's what I noticed. I've been on this journey for years and I had people who always said, we, we know you're going to make it. We know you're going to be great. They have supported me even when I didn't believe in myself. So those people, I will always remember them and um, keep them true to my heart because they're the ones who are always posting for me, always reading for me, sharing links with everyone. Those are the people I always keep in mind. The new people, I don't mind as well because you can make new friendships. My newest friends are actually some of the best friends that I have. But you just have to be careful and see, you know, how they're moving, what the intentions are. And then, you know, just trust your gut. Honestly, you have to trust your gut. Because sometimes you meet someone, you're like, I don't know why I just don't like them. I just don't know. Trust it. Just trust it. And then that's it. That's
0: it. (laughs) Your gut is probably right. Your gut is probably telling you the truth. Yeah. Hi, Christine. Hi guys, it's Christine Noel. How are you?
3: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. What is it about just being a being an artist and the space that you're in right now that you're most proud of?
3: Oh, man, that's such a good question. I think I'm most proud of my confidence. There was a time, and that I still struggle with comparison when it comes to being a singer. But I think as an artist, I found that I've, I feel like I found my lane, and I can be comfortable in it and not compare myself to others. But it puts me in a position to celebrate others better, and so I'm really proud of that because that was a long process to kind of figure things out for myself. And I feel like now I'm I'm getting closer to that. I think
0: it takes a while, especially living in social media culture, digital age, where there's so much imposter syndrome. And it's so easy to compare yourself to to others in general, like other creatives, no matter what yes. industry you're in, I feel like, and no yeah. matter who you are, really.
3: Yeah. I mean, people at the gym, you like see people at the gym killing it and you're like, oh, I wish I was even little stuff like that it's it's crazy how much it impacts our lives and it's so subtle because it's kind of an undertone that we may not notice until we take a break from our phones and we're like oh my god i'm okay everything is okay right. you know yeah it's so weird
0: Falling apart. You're. I promise you, you're fine.
3: Exactly. You're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah, it's so true.
0: That's what we want everyone to know. You're doing great. You're fine.
3: We're okay. Day by day, it's so real.
0: I want to jump into your work as an artist. Um, Just number one, you have an incredible voice. You're such a beautiful singer, and I want to find out a little bit more about. Your process to um, because you are a singer songwriter, your process to just creating music, creating songs that most resonate with you and your audience what does that process look like for you?
3: For me, it really starts with uh, an experience in my life. So, a lot of my songs are about relationships, and some are about other things, but I have an experience and I'm processing through that experience, and that is what. song comes from so it's always very real and very raw and emotional for me i'm usually like here at the piano just like probably crying and writing and then yeah we write the song and then i bring it to my producer ariza who is just unreal amazing and either we we might go through that process of like the situation and writing it out together or i might write the song and then bring it to him and then we just kind of go through like sonically what fits the song and he brings his perspective and his like he's amazing and, and he thinks differently than me, but it complements me. So then we end up with this song and then, um, yeah, or some songs we take to live first and we do them live. I've, I write them and then we do them with the band and then we bring them to production and that brings a whole nother side to it because I can kind of vocally do different things. And maybe I would have done just sitting there. Um, I've had more time to kind of play with it. so. All different ways, but it definitely starts with the song and the idea and the experience. And then we move from there.
0: So speaking of songs and ideas and experiences, let's talk a little bit about your submission piece that you submitted for uh, the micro grant opportunity as well as the showcase. The visuals are just um, amazing. You're like in this lush forest type of area and um again, it just, I think it's amazing how just musically and, and visually you're able to bring your songs to life. So can you talk about your recent, your most recent work, um, that particular submission piece and how you decided on what would be the right fit for the visuals when um, shooting for that song? Yeah.
3: So that song is called Feeling and I wrote it such a long time ago. And I was finally getting around to, you know, the pandemic happened. You have all this free time. You're like, what am I going to do with myself? And I'm a freelance musician uh, for work. And so it was just an interesting time. So I'm going back to revisit these songs, a song I've always loved. And I was working with another artist. Her name is Kanya Iwana. And we write for her artist project. She's an amazing singer, amazing songwriter, and happens to be this very accomplished, incredible uh, female uh, photographer cinematographer director she's just like create like the visuals are her thing it's such a gift and such a talent and skill that she's worked on so anyway I called her because we were kind of bartering like I'll write for you and she'll do photos for me and so I sent her the song to see if she had any ideas or if she could help me and she was like you know I actually I want to direct this for you and I'll put it together and, and I was like what what do you mean I was just like flabbergasted because she's so talented and I have so much respect for her. And so anyway, we planned it all out. She had it, you know, the shot list and the location and she helped me so much. And it was a lot of it was her vision that she put together. And so I think it was it was so like such a divine thing for me, the way her vision fit beyond what I could have thought imagined for the song. But it just fits so well. We, I knew it was going to be nature because that's the idea of the song, that idea of, I don't know, things always moving and that momentum that's created. And and um, she just captured it so beautifully and it was so seamless and wonderful. So I really credit it all to her. Tanya Iwana, she is incredible. She just shot for a major magazine. She's just like killing it. So I'm so grateful to her. And so that was that was really her, her thing.
0: Shout out to Kanye. Kanye, I,
2: yes.
0: I yeah, Kanye. It's it's dope that you got the opportunity to work with another woman creative to just bring your vision to life. Yes. How everything came together. I I want to ask you this because I feel like it's always so interesting mm-hmm. and something that people think about when it comes to singer, the singer-songwriter dynamic. And especially when you're like gigging or you're singing for someone else, mm-hmm how is it that you know so many it it seems sometimes that some um singers can sing songs better than the person who wrote it as far as evoking emotion and so what has that been like for you sometimes uh singing other people's songs and not necessarily always your own material but having to evoke emotion based upon what someone else has written what Does that look like for you? It's always interesting when I see people who sing songs as if they wrote them. Like you'll think they went through that whole experience, and it's like, no, this really isn't my experience, but the song is dope. Right. So, so what what is that like for you? Because I've always found that interesting.
3: It is interesting, and I think it's a really good question. I think choosing a song is really important. If you choose a song that even if it's not, I don't know, even if the lyrics don't necessarily resonate with your experience, you can kind of find something in the music and the melody to connect to. And I've, that's just been another really cool creative outlet for me. Sometimes I'll pretend I'm somebody else or like imagine, try to empathize with what that feeling is like, and then put that into something. And I think changing up the music a little bit too makes it more more me, more something I maybe would have written or, you know what I mean? So I think finding that connection, either in empathizing with the person or musically changing, or maybe you just connect with the music and the words are just kind of an afterthought that happens too. But it is interesting, like Adele covering uh, when the rain is falling in your face, what's it called? To make you feel my love. Or Amy Winehouse and Valor, you're like, oh, that's their, those are their songs, but they're not. It's amazing. So cool.
0: But the conviction behind (laughs) behind the way that they sing the songs, that's why I'm like, I've always found it so interesting because. A lot of people automatically think, well, hey, this artist, they wrote their song. So this is their experience. And a lot of times songwriters are collaborating with other songwriters and artists. And, you know, some songs, of course, are things that you fully fleshed out and, and wrote on your own. But I think it's always interesting to hear another singer sings someone else's song from their sort of point of view or putting their own unique spin on it.
3: Yeah, definitely. I like, I have this song dreams that people cover sometimes and I'm always like, what? Like somebody sent me a video of them singing it today and I was like, I don't ever want to sing this again. The way you sang it was so great. It was just beautiful. <laughs> so it's it's crazy. Like... That experience is so, so cool. And, and it's so humbling and cool, but yeah, so weird. We just find connection. That's the beauty of music. It's such a, uh, we don't even need language for it and we can connect yeah. to it. It's beautiful, and it, it I love so it. Many,
0: it brings so many people together. Yeah, really. So let's talk about a okay. feeling and also emotion on the line which are two pieces that people will get the opportunity to hear. This um, Saturday and and during your showcase performance, what are uh, what was the inspiration behind those two songs particularly? I think feeling you touched on a bit, um, but I, I'm just also interested in the names like feeling emotion on the line, like they it's so vulnerable and. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's my whole deal. It's kind of weird. Like, I, I just feel like it's it's easiest to write songs that are real and and that resonate with you. And I think feeling, it came from a place of uh, actually the song uh, for the grant that I would put the grant towards if I got it is called Starting Over. And I wrote Feeling and Starting Over around the same time. I, I had to pretty much start my life over in 2018, just bad set of circumstances. And um I wrote that song feeling from a hopeful place, being able to kind of like, I don't know, the idea of being able to move forward and continue that there's something great on the horizon, that there's something beyond me, like God is in me and pushing me forward. And so that, yeah, I just felt, I don't know, it was such a, a rev, like a revelatory moment for me. Um, so it came from that. And I just thought of the idea of breaking through hard things, like one of the lyrics is... Um, the sun breaks through the clouds or a seed cracks solid ground. Like the idea of roots and trees breaking through cement. Like it's almost like nothing is impossible that, that idea and uh, emotions on the line is, Oh my gosh, such a fun song is so much fun. I feel like it's the idea of me falling too fast as for usual. I'm such an idealist and a positive person. So sometimes I see the good in people and then I, and make potential like reality and it's not and then I'm faced with the reality of like no and potential's weird because that's what your perception of that person's potential is not necessarily their potential which is so annoying but I'm learning a lot and it's really good <laughs> but it's really about that
0: like girl no type of type of moments where it's just like dang I, yes. I wanted I wanted this to work or I wanted you to be this type of yes. person and you aren't and you know and you're never going to be and it's okay better, yeah. yeah
3: yeah it's okay so real yeah we love yeah and so then that chorus um I'm trying I was trying to remember the words and the chorus is like I think I'm done trying to be something that someone else wants me to be yeah, it's that idea of like falling in love with potential, but also you're putting these expectations on me and I'm not going to do that anymore. It's too exhausting and I can't live for, it's almost like vice versa, the switch. I had, I thought yeah. you had, I had ideas about you and what you should be doing. You have ideas about me, but I'm not going to try to live to fulfill those anymore. Yeah, let me just be me.
0: So, Christine, you're about to play a little bit of dream.
3: I and am. Heard,
0: heard the backstory, but I just, I, I feel like it's an amazing song because who hasn't gone through this process of I know. wanting someone to be something and then you end up getting dumped and it's just like, well, where did this come from? And exactly. okay, that's fine. You don't deserve me anyway.
3: Yes, the switch is so real. your empathy and you can keep all your time
0: to this episode of the state of film art podcast you can catch new episodes bi-weekly on thursdays and make sure that you connect with us by following us on instagram at so art and you can also visit our website and listen to past episodes at sofimart.com